Hey, Luke chapter 2, if you have your Bibles or a phone app, uh, is where we're going to be. And uh, we've been using this passage frequently this month because I just think it's one of the most beautiful depictions of what happened um, in the birth of our Savior. We're going to be in verses 10 and 11 here at the front end of the sermon. And this idea of joy to the world, this good news, is what we're going to be discussing. And then kind of our response to it. So we have in verse 10 of chapter 2 the big announcement. You have the angels coming to the shepherds, very unlikely recipients, but we say here, the angel said unto them, and the first thing he tells them, I love this, he says, fear not. I love that is the first thing. I love that that is the first thing he said because God knows our tendency to fear the unknown or the changes in life, right? So he said, the first thing, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make some big changes here. I got a big announcement. I don't want you to be afraid. So, so they're, okay, so yeah, fear a life without God. Fear an eternity without God. Fear life apart from his presence. But don't fear this incredible good news. That's kind of what they're saying, right? Don't fear. So he says this, fear not for behold, almost like, if I don't have your attention right now, I need your attention. I want you to behold. I want you to, to listen closely to what I have to say. And then he goes on with a message. I bring you good tidings of great joy. So you've got good news here. And he uses the word great to describe the joy. That word great is the word mega in the Hebrew, uh, in the in the in the Greek, so you have this word mega, something really joy, not just regular old joy, like this is mega joy. So the word joy, because I'm a word nerd, the word joy in Scripture is used over 200 times. It's only used a handful of times, like but depending on where you read, between nine and 12 times is the word great put in front of the word joy. So this is an extraordinary joy. This is top shelf joy here. This is not common, regular old joy. This is great joy. So what do we have to expect? What great joy are we, well, this good news is described as bringing great joy. And then he finishes up his announcement saying, which shall be to all people, which is incredible. Not to geek out too much on you, but the word all there means all. Each, every, any, the whole, everyone, all things, everything. That's what the word all means. Every color, every race, everybody, everything. So here's the summation, right? This is good news of great joy for all people. And then so... I want you to understand that the beautiful thing here is that the word all does not distinguish between your intelligence or your social status. Because if it were, if it were required a graduate degree to understand and tremendous IQ to grasp, then, then those who would attain it, number one, most of us would be ruled out right there, right? But those who attained it would boast of their intelligence, and that, that's why we get this. If, it, uh, if this gospel required large sums of money or high social standing, then there would be no hope for most of us 
But the beauty of this good news is that somebody as uneducated as I am and as undeserving as we are is the target audience here. And by God's grace, this good news can allow us to enter into a meaningful relationship with the God of this universe. So you have a three-part message. Good news of great joy for all people. I was talking with my good friend Randall about this a few weeks ago. <clears throat> so I want to give credit where credit's due. And that way, if you don't like it, you can blame him. <laughs> that this idea of, of a new king being born means, so, so normally like when a conqueror comes into a country, there's the conquered and the conquering, right? You have, you have those that are winners and those that are losers. You have to pick a side. And this king is coming for everyone. So we don't, so, so everybody has the potential of winning. What that means is like, is like there doesn't have to be a loser here. Unlike like if the Cowboys would play the Redskins, like if, if that were to happen, like I really don't think either team would, would win. We're so sorry right now. I think we would both lose that game. Somehow we would f figure out how to do it. But with this good news of great joy for all people, Please understand there doesn't have to be a loser. I don't know where you are in life right now. I don't know what you've experienced or how this Christmas season feels to you, but there doesn't have to be a loser. Going back to chapter two, verse 11, the, the announcement continues, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Joy to the world. This is really good news but clearly at the time, not all people were filled with joy. We read later where Herod, the king, did his best to exterminate all the babies that were born at that time because he was afraid of this new king. He felt threatened by it. And later we see how the religious figures of the day, those that, that held in their grasp all the do's and don'ts, of Judaism were wanting to do away with Christ and they wanted him gone. So they were not so much filled with joy. And I don't think everybody's filled with joy today either. Well, I haven't had great joy for quite some time, you might say. I like all of this and how awesome are all these fantastic gifts here. I love all of this, but that doesn't feel right to you. There's something amiss Maybe you might say my current circumstances don't seem very conducive to joy. If you knew what was going on in my life, you would realize, yeah, I get it. I, I wouldn't be all that happy either. Christmas is always difficult for me. There's just something about that season of the year. It's like cyclical. It, it happens around this time. I just get into this downward trend of emotion. That's where my dad was. My dad was that kind of guy that it, when, when Christmas time happened, it just... It's like a black cloud moved over our, over our home or something. It was, and I really think that it was a financial issue. There may have been some problems from his past childhood growing up, but I know that we struggled financially. 
and I feel like, you know, you've got these high expectations as a kid when Christmas time arrives, and I think that he always kind of felt bad. So Sears and Roebuck, remember them? Like, they sent out this catalog every year called the Wish Book. Every kid's dream was in that book right there. If, if, if my dad got it before we got it, it went in the trash. Because he didn't want us wishing for things that he knew he could never provide. You see what I'm saying? But now if we got it, it was kind of like contraband in the home. Like we were dog-earing pages, circling stuff with a magic marker, everything from light brights to car race sets, several of them so you could hook them all together and take up the whole living room. Husky jeans. Nobody wanted husky jeans, all right? I didn't want to be the guy, but I always had to have husky jeans with the reinforced knee pads. Remember that? That was me. Yeah, husky jeans. I still kind of wear husky jeans. <laughs> Store of my life. That's why I'm so sad at Christmas time. So, so we would have all these wishes, right? And we just, we, there was, a, it wasn't my whole life, but there was four or five or six years where we really struggled financially uh, to the point like, like there was very little happening here. Like there was very little coming. And I think uh, there, there were some clever things that we did. Like we would, we would actually postpone Christmas a couple of days and go shopping all the sales after Christmas was over. And then we would have Christmas like on the 27th or something to give us a little bit more bang for our buck, if you will. Um, but, but that was, I think for my dad, a big reason why Christmas just was not fun. He was like, he was just like, like in this funk, like he just didn't enjoy it and he never smiled a lot. And that's kind of the Christmas that we grew up with. Maybe this is your first Christmas with your new normal. They're not here this year. I don't know how you make it through that. I don't know what it means for you to be that person that it, there's just a hole there. There's an empty place at the table. You're not getting a gift from them. That I, and I'm sorry. I feel that for you. And so for you, you hear joy for all people, and you're like, accept me. So we have this potential of good news, right? Of great joy in all people. And Christmas doesn't feel that way. Sometimes we get cynical, like it's just this manufactured toy buying frenzy. probably true. But there's a lot of goodness here. And so as we get closer to celebrating Christmas and the birth of our Savior, I want to propose to you that there's a few responses to this good news. There's a few potential responses to joy, um, uh, regardless of where you are on the spectrum. So I'm going to give you a couple different scenarios here if you will, as to where you might be and what your, what your response could possibly be so that maybe we can all experience some of the joy of the incredible good news. For those who don't get it but go along with it, 
What do I mean by that? I mean like, like you go through the motions of the season. Like you even like this thing they call the spirit of Christmas, whatever that is. You, you know why we celebrate the event. You've seen the, you know, the, the nativity scene. You know about little baby Jesus, all of that. But you don't have any connection with it. Like it doesn't mean anything to you. So, so you just don't get it, but you go along with it. Could I... Could I beg you this morning to make it personal? Like this, this joy, this good news is for you. And it's not, it's, it's not enough that I got it. You need to get it. Like, like you need this in your life. This good news that brings salvation to everybody includes you. You're the all. You're the anybody. You're the whosoever. And so you don't get it. You just kind of go along with it. I would encourage you to make it personal. It's like, okay, so, so um, you buy gifts for all your kids, right? And they're available. They're under the tree. But the only ones who are going to really enjoy them are the ones that actually accept it. God has the gift of salvation for every one of us. But there has to be a moment in your life when you make it personal. Like, thank you. That's, oh, and now you are living in it. Now you are enjoying the relationship. It's available to everybody, but it's everybody's decision. Make it personal. So maybe that's you, like you get it, but maybe you're in this category for those who, who got it, but you struggle in it. So you're, you, you, you have this relationship with the Lord. You, you can remember a time and you look back on your life and, and when, when that relationship with Jesus Christ became a real thing. You know that you are a child of God, but right now this is tough. You know that one day all of this is going to fade. The pain will, will soften a little bit. Or maybe these circumstances will actually make sense to you. And maybe everything's going to look different one day, but right now it doesn't feel right. That's then, and this is now, and now hurts. So you beat yourself up because you struggle with this. And you aren't feeling the same joy that everybody feels. Your pain is incredibly real, and I want to acknowledge that. But maybe you believe the lie that God will not give you any more than you can handle. That is not true. That is not in the Bible. Sometimes God gives you more than you can handle, but he also gives you him. I hope you hear that. God does give you more than you can handle. But he gives you himself to help you bear it. And he gives us each other to help us through it. One of my favorite passages of scripture confuses a lot of people. Paul said in Galatians, he said, he said that, that every man shall bear his own burden. Right? And then he says, bear you one another burden. And so fulfill the law of Christ. So which one is it? It's two different words. 
English used, English just says burden, but there was two different Greek words. One was like your everyday pack. Like if you're in the military, you've got your everyday pack that you wear. That's your responsibility to carry that. But every once in a while, you're tasked with carrying some extra equipment. And every once in a while, you go through life. Now you need somebody else to help you carry this burden. So there are things in life that we just do, we just carry. This is part of being a grown-up. You're adulting now. And now it's time to just carry what you're supposed to carry. Every man shall bear his own burden. But then there are times in our life when everyone needs to bear each other's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So sometimes God does give us more than we can bear. But he also gives us himself and he gives us each other. He knows that we are frail. He knows that we are needy. He knows that we are human. And he understands our grief and our pain and our sorrow. It's very, very real. One of the most intriguing passages of scripture in Luke chapter two is verse 19. After the shepherds come and they rejoice and all that kind of stuff. It says this in verse 19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. What an intriguing verse. Am I the only one that's like, I wonder what she was thinking about. Don't try to figure it out. I haven't even figured out what my wife thinks half the time. Right? It's like, it's like, just tell me. Just, just save me a lot of trouble and just tell me what you're thinking about. Right? Right? Just, yeah. I don't notice. All right? I'm just saying, let's just start with that. I'm the only one. Okay, so, so later in that same chapter two, you have this, this event take place. So Jesus is eight days old, and as was custom, you take him down to the priest, and he gets circumcised. So at eight days old, they go see the priest Simeon, and Simeon prophesies something strange and foreboding to Mary. Look at verse 34. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rise again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Verse 35. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Isn't that odd to you? You have this great event, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Jesus, the Son of God being born, and they take him down, and the priest looks at her and says, your heart is going to be pierced through with sorrow. Well, that's not encouraging, but that's reality. So you sit here this morning, and you got it, but you struggle in it, and you feel like the oddball, I'm telling you, it's not abnormal. Like what you are experiencing is okay to experience. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Verse three of our song for the day. So if you can't buy into the whole thing, all right? So you're struggling this morning. Here's my suggestion to you is that you make some room for it, all right? So you got it, but you struggle in it. My suggestion is you make some room for it. So what part of your life 
Can you make some room for the joy that is the good news for everybody? So in this time of year where you feel like you have every reason in the world to not experience the joy, can you make some room for it? Here's a few suggestions. Can I suggest that you declutter your soul? Declutter your soul. I don't know what that means for you, but let me give you a couple ideas here. Maybe you need to forgive somebody. Maybe you're not there yet, okay? Because that's tough to do. Because when we, don't for, when we hold that unforgiveness, it feels like maybe they're still paying for it. You and I both know that you're the one. But. So you have this unforgiveness and you keep moving this box of crap with you everywhere you go. And you know it's making your life stink but you can't let go of this box full of crap. And so you sit down and you sit it next to you and you're watching TV and it, you know, your life stinks because you got crap in the box. So you just, then you get up and you go and you take it with you. So you take that with you everywhere you go. And maybe we just got to get rid of it. Maybe it's time to forgive. Maybe you just don't want to smell it anymore. You've gotten used to it, right? That's what happens. But other people can notice it. Maybe we need to forgive. And I know I make that sound easier than it is. And I want to acknowledge that, okay? I'm not saying. I'm just asking you to make some room for it. Can you, can you just move it to the other side of the room maybe? to where you can still kind of keep your eye on it, but it's not right there next. Can you, can you make some room? Can you, can you declutter a little bit? Maybe you need to right a wrong. And I don't know what that is, but you know, because you just thought about it. Whatever that is, maybe what you said or what you didn't say, what you did or what you didn't do. Maybe you need to declutter your soul and just say, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Now, if they don't know about it, don't say anything. <laughs> right? Like if they're just blissfully going on with their life and it's just bothering you and they don't know anybody, they're going to go, oh, what? Ah, I didn't know that you felt that way about me. And you might actually do more damage by apologizing, Right? We had, when we were in college, um, one of our teachers had this big deal about public confession, right? And uh, that, that was the only way to get right. And, and he had, <laughs> you had kids publicly apologizing for stuff. And we're like, ooh, I didn't need to know that. Or he would insist that you go apologize to somebody even if they didn't know you'd done them wrong. And it was damaging. Like, you know, yeah, it's probably best they don't know that that's what you thought about them. Right? So let's just let that alone. Let's just, let's just ask forgiveness where it's appropriate. And let's just say I was wrong. So declutter your soul, whatever that looks like. There's a, there's a lot more things we can do to declutter our soul. It's like we're trying to make room. We're trying to prepare him room. We're trying to make room for some joy by decluttering our soul and maybe by seeing the good that is there. Right? The good is there because I can see it. 
And if I can see that the good is there, and you can't see that the good is there, maybe it's that thing that's causing you not to be able to see it. And I don't mean to, to try and minimize or diminish the struggle that you have, but your issue may be what is blocking you from seeing the good that is there. It's like, it's like this, this thing has enveloped you, and so you can't see the good that is there. So your vision is blocked. And I'm not saying you need to be jumping for joy. I'm not asking you to squeal on Christmas morning. Although if you do, videotape it. I would love to see that. I'm just asking you to acknowledge the fact that there is, there is goodness there. There's joy there. Please, like just make some room. I'm not asking for 180 degrees. I'm asking for maybe 30. Like let's just move the needle a little bit. So declutter your soul. See the good that is there. And then maybe this gives some joy to somebody else. Very few things in life can lift your spirits like doing something good for somebody else. And I'm not talking about being in charge of anything. I'm saying serving somebody. There's a big difference, right? Or giving something. If you think of something that might make your day or might make it a little bit incrementally better, I would suggest maybe do that for somebody else. And here's the thing. If it doesn't work, for you, like you give them the gift card to Starbucks? Or you give them, I don't know what, I'm drawing a blank right now, okay? But you give them, all I can think of is pizza because I haven't had anything to eat all day. Every, all, of my, all of my gifts are food-based. So you, you give them something, right? And you're like, that didn't work for me. But maybe you gave joy to somebody else and it worked for them. And you're like, well, it didn't work for me. So one or two approaches. If, if you give something to somebody else or you serve somebody else and it doesn't work, you can do more. And maybe if you do more of it, it'll work. Or maybe it does work and so... You felt a little better. You, you made some room and you do feel some joy. And so do some more of it. And maybe it's more than baking some cookies for somebody. I don't know what it is for you. But declutter your soul. See the good that is there. Maybe give some joy to somebody else. So here's, here's three different scenarios. You, you, you don't get it, but you just go along with it. I'm asking you to make it personal. You got it, but you struggle in it. I'm asking you just to make a little bit of room for joy. <laughs> but for those of you who got it, and you're good right now, like to the best of your knowledge, you're in a good spot. You've either been through it and you're in a good place or maybe you're about to go into it, but right now you're in a good, because that's all of us, right? You've either just been through it or you're going into it. But right now things seem good. To your knowledge, you're in pretty good shape. Life is good. Could I ask you this? Can you make an effort 
to understand that not everybody is where you are and maybe make room for those who aren't. God has placed people in your life strategically. We have referred to them frequently lately as our oikos. It's the Greek word meaning our intentional family or intentional relationships. These are people that God has put in our life on purpose that we do life with. These are our world. These people are the world. that. So I'm asking you to look at your oikos, your intentional family. Look around you and say, you know what? Who needs a little extra? Who needs a little understanding? Who needs to be invited in? Who needs to come over to your house? Who needs to have coffee with you? Who needs that time, that connection? Make room for those who aren't. Good news, great joy for all people. Let me show you that verse again, Luke 2.10. And the angel said unto him, if you're not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Jesus lives his life at 30 years of age. He starts his ministry at 33 years approximately. He is betrayed. He gives his life as a sacrifice for us. Perfect, sinless, takes all of our sin upon him is taken down from the cross, put into a borrowed tomb. He stays there for three days and then raises again. And just everybody's mind is blown, right? This really is happening. Jesus really is raised from the dead. What an exciting day. And then in verse, verses 51 and 52 of the end of the book of Luke, in chapter 24, it says this, And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with, there it is again, great joy. So when he was going through it, when they were going through it, they didn't see this happening, did they? It all started off good, like they had great joy. And then they went through all of this. And things didn't turn out the way that they thought they were going to turn out. But they ended up with great joy. So what I'm saying is like your story is still being written. Hello. Right? You're not, where you are is not where you're going to be. And who you are is not who you will become. Your story whew, is still being written. That's what I'm saying. See, you ain't liking it, so I'm going to like it myself. We don't, we don't know what the next chapter is going to look like. But we know what the end of the book is, right? And the end is great joy. Great joy, mega joy. So I'm not sure where you are this morning. If you don't get it, please get it. Accept that gift. We're gonna pray in just a moment. When we pray, I would, I would invite you to start this conversation with the Lord, that you open up your heart and life to him let him know that you want this. Like this is meaningful. This is, the, this is your opportunity to make that connection and make it personal. We'll have, we'll have some folks down front at the end of the service that you can come forward and talk to. Everybody else is gonna be kind of heading out and you can just kind of make your way up and take some time and talk to Dina or talk to Todd and just say, I wanna have this conversation. I wanna make this happen. I wanna make it personal.
Maybe you're struggling this morning. You, you consider yourself a believer. You are struggling this morning because of the pain that you feel, because of the circumstances in your life. I want you to hear me. I acknowledge that. Make some room. Make some room for joy this year. Maybe your life is just good. Near as you can tell, you're in good shape. Make room for somebody else who isn't. Or somebody's else who maybe need a little bit of it. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your goodness to us. And thank you for this good news that is for every one of us. And help us to make it personal. Help us to make room for it. And help us to make room for others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.